back to the Act 2 Podcast, a podcast for the real-life working screenwriter. I'm Tasha Hugh. And I am Josh Hallman. And we're Act 2! <laughs> <laughs> and it's early in the morning, and um, I still have morning voice. I can feel like the deepness in my voice. And anyways, um, welcome to the podcast today. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to get going i'm just gonna get going and not even do our intro because we had a party last night josh we had our first act two public screenwriter meetup we did we (laughs) (laughs) josh what happened oh man yeah i guess i guess i had covid I guess I have it. <laughs> Josh has never had COVID before, and here he goes ha- having it the day of our party. Just insane. I I tested. I was telling Tasha I tested, and lo and behold, it came back positive. And I went and I cursed the skies. It was the first time you've ever called me like in our entire friendship. Yes, <laughs> was that say? And you did not answer. <laughs> <laughs> By the way. You just sent me a text He's back. getting ready to go to the gym, and I was like, I'm not answering this. Yeah, you're like, oh, that's... He's fine. Uh, <laughs> I was actually driving. I was I was angrily driving around Hollywood. I got out of I got out of my house, Aww. and I just started to drive. And um, I called you, and then your picture popped up. I was like, this is weird. I'm calling Tasha. And you're also the only person who has one of those voicemails where it was like, hi, this is Tasha. Beep. Like it was fast. I, and I actually ended up leaving you a voicemail. <laughs> I'll have to go listen to it. <laughs> yeah. Is it just you crying? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> make the party tonight. Yeah. So I missed the party, but tell me everything, please. You know, there's actually it? someone at the party who was like, "Yeah, I've tried to have a meeting with Josh before, but then he broke his his leg, and is he just accident prone?" <laughs> you like, know what? Yep. Here's the thing. I I honestly, a couple people have asked me this because I have been on a little bit of a, a downward trend. I haven't been going in the right direction in terms of health and everything. Someone asked me like, oh, did you, are you injury prone? Like, does this happen often? And I was like, no, I haven't been injured in my entire life with the exception of minor things, but nothing that's going to throw yeah. me out of an event. And... You know what else is really funny is I listened to our last podcast and the podcast started with me. I was home with my sick daughter and you made a joke about being sick. And I said, stop it. I never get sick. And you're like, yeah, you do never get sick. And then we just kept going. If we only knew what we knew then. <laughs> <laughs> no, I. you've always been a perfect, I don't know, healthy. You like, you're a paragon of health. Thank you, Tasha. This year. My my role model was Bruce Willis in Unbreakable, but you know. But even Bruce Willis has broken. He never got sick. But I'm just bummed. I'm bummed that I missed it. But no, it I'm not so injury great. prone. It was so great. The party was awesome. We had so many people. I I definitely had a concern that nobody would come and it would just be me and Kevin, our coordinator, who helped put it together, um, and Dave, friend of the podcast. And that would be it. It would just be us and my husband hanging out. And it wasn't. You all came out. You came out from very far, too. You, There are people from Orange County, Hermosa Beach, 
places that I've never even heard of up north, like all over. And and it was awesome. We had we had four huge tables that they they put a little Act Two Network sign on, like reserved oh, really? only Act Two. Yeah, and I was like, we're not gonna fill these tables. <laughs> and sure enough, we not only filled all the tables, but we had room to spare. People were standing room only, and it was great. We had people come who they were like, I'm so nervous to be here. Like I saw your invite, but. I don't know who you are or why I'm here. <laughs> I was like, well, are you a writer? They're like, yes. Yeah. So it's like, okay, go and talk to other writers. Everyone here is a writer. And then the same woman found me afterwards and made a point to be like, hey, I ended up sitting at you know this table full of nerds and it was so awesome to get to talk to other writers. This was incredible. Where's your Patreon and how can I follow? And I was like, that's so awesome. Thank you so much. It's just everyone had such a great time. And we had a quiz. We had a movie quiz, Josh. I saw. I saw a couple uh, questions from it from Paul. And did anyone get the how fast does a DeLorean travel, the time travel? Yes, I would say. Did anyone get that wrong? Yes, a lot of people got it wrong. A lot of people thought it was 66 miles an hour. Um, what? Tim, who is also a friend of the podcast, did circle 88 miles per hour then crossed it out and then circled 66 miles per hour and tim driscoll yeah i feel like that gets negative points i'm gonna be messaging him (laughs) right after this podcast wow and then we had a bonus question for listeners of the podcast which was which uh feature uh how did i word it like which series i guess of movies does josh hallman want to write for and to be fair, there were there were answers that could have applied. Not the one that I had in my head, which was Back to the Future, but people yes. wrote Mission Impossible, Fast and Furious, Indiana Jones, so they know you very well. Oh my gosh, I am I might have to just beg us to do another mixer just so I can get back into the real world and see people because I can't believe I'm missing out on all these things. It was so great. Uh, we, I met Patrick, who's the listener who works at NASA, and he told me about what? the Mars missions that he he works on. But he's also a sci-fi writer. It was great. I met so many cool people. You and there were name tags. People had name tags, and everyone said it helped. Joshua. Yeah, <laughs> I would have worn one. I would have. And was there any negative feedback about the podcast? There was no negative feedback. Constructive criticism? Not yet. Not yet. They're not that comfortable. <laughs> yeah. This is just our first one. Wow. So everyone seemed like they'd do it again. Yeah. Seems like a great, great place. You know, I went to the David H. Steinberg mixer, one of them, uh-huh. months and months and months ago. And it does. it's great just to get around other writers and get people together because... Where else can you get writers together who people are all kind of struggling and yeah, uh, it's <sighs> at the next mixer. I'm going to have my manager come. Okay. At the next one, we'll get more producers, managers. Yes. Yeah. Were there sure. were there a lot of people from uh, our Act Two network and also from our writers? Yeah, group? Yeah, there is a fair. There was a. I would say like 25 percent of the the group there was from Act Two itself. Um, which is super cool. I wonder if there's a way to like on their name tag write act two so that other writers know 
they're from act two you can go talk to this person they're a they're a professional writer and sort of you know get to mingle with with someone who who's actually working in the business actively and then same with producers we had an exec from amazon was there and um, another exec whom i've known for for years she was actually at our very first act two mixer as well she loves going to them she loves meeting new writers um and she's lovely so yeah that was it was great all right so that location do you recommend as a future location for the act act two mixer was it a nice it was perfect size. It was beautiful, you guys. It was fairy lights. We were outside, but it wasn't cold at all. Plenty of space. Bar is expansive. Um, really good beers and ciders and food, tons of food. And the only downside was parking was expensive. I happened to luck out with a street parking, but um, my husband parked in the garage. And luckily, they do have a garage because it's LA and parking is impossible. So they do have a garage right next door, but to stay for the two hours was twenty two fifty for him to stay there, and that's that's a lot, especially when you're buying beers and stuff too. Um, but yeah. if you drive around, you'll find street parking. It's just kind of a pain. So that's the only thing. Um, Uber, if you can, but you know, Uber is going to cost you twenty two bucks too. So I don't know. Yeah, I feel like that's just that's just kind of like part of the process of yeah. most places. It's just L A. And it was fun. There, there were people there who had just moved to LA. So that was exciting. Like they're just starting on their adventure. And it was cool to talk to them about that and where they are now. Some people have been here for a long time and are doing other things for their day job, but are, are really working at getting into the business very actively. So it was also great to talk to them about where they are in their journey. There were so many different kinds of people. It was great. Oh my gosh. I can't believe it. I loved it. it. And this is coming from someone who my worst nightmare is like being around people. <laughs> it's, it's not it's not my space. Yeah. And I loved it. It was great. It was so fun to talk to everyone. God, that's how I know it was great is because when I asked you how it was, you said it was great. <laughs> Social things are never great for Tasha. <laughs> yeah, to get that response from Tasha, you guys did it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. All right. Yeah. So that was, we did, it was our launch for our Patreon. If you guys are interested, check out our Patreon. It's just, I think it's patreon.com backslash act two writers. And we have a couple tiers there now, um, including a free tier. And um, the two tiers are to join in the community. And then the, the highest tier is some bonus content that Josh and I have put together, including Q&As and pitching breakdown sessions with you all that we will do every month or every other month. So it's, that's great. And I, I feel like that's, that's some feedback I got at the, at the party, which was a lot of people looking for just community to like bounce ideas off of. And they have all these story ideas or pitch documents or whatever, and, but they have no one to get feedback from. And so we're offering that as part of our Patreon. And I think that could be super helpful. I love it. I just had a vision. Yeah. You ready? Yeah. One day we do a live show. The live show ends and it just dovetails right into a mixer. <laughs> that sounds fun. <laughs> Could it ever happen? Absolutely. I'm going to start thinking of locations for that right now. <laughs> that's that's the thing is like, you're like, okay. And everyone can just have drinks during the live show. That sounds awesome. That sounds great. <sighs> All right. I'm happy. I'm very happy. I'm happy for Act Two. I'm I'm happy that you held it down. 
Thank you for that. (laughs) (laughs) Next time you can do it. (laughs) You know, what's funny is had you messaged me and you were like, I've got COVID. I'd be like, we're canceling, not doing it. (laughs) It would have been such a disaster. (laughs) No, you would have done great. (laughs) Like, I don't know. She gave me these quizzes and these name tags and I don't know, man. You better give these people these quizzes. <laughs> All right, cool. So today we are doing uh, This Week in Writing, another This Week in Writing episode. We had some things come up and we thought it would be fun to talk about. Yeah. And I guess I'll go first. I'm nominating myself. Okay. So I submitted my short story to my agents, the one that you love. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> It was, it was not met with great success over at Gersh. Um, it would, but their feedback was super interesting. So I've talked about on the podcast how one of my writing flaws is being kind of vague a little bit. Like I give a lot of room for the reader or the audience to figure things out themselves. And sometimes they give them too much to figure out and it's confusing. So something my manager works on a lot with me is try to be a little bit more on the nose with emotions or dialogue or like your intention of the scene. And so my very first drafts of this short story were very vague in terms of what the concept was. And the basic concept is this boy is escaping something, you don't know what, um, in the woods and he stumbles upon a cabin where this this woman lives who's kind of not kind of is very intimidating this older woman and uh turns out she's a super villain in retirement in hiding and it's super cool i think but like they didn't get that she was a super villain they didn't really they thought it was too dense <laughs> that um the writing was too thick basically to the word i would use would be literary Mm. Um, so the interesting part was they were saying these short stories that tend to sell right now are stories that have a very clear almost like overly basic hook like their example was your hero travels to the other side of the moon and finds a city on the dark side of the moon holy shit people have been living here the whole time and it stars brad pitt yeah (laughs) and so i got the comment of like you know they're not making movies with older actresses and children. Those just aren't successful right now. Uh, oh, okay. Sorry. Sorry. I'm just dying a little bit inside. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, trust me. I get it. <laughs> yep. Keep going. I don't know. So I I, I don't know. Uh, a lot of thoughts are going on in my head right now. And and one, one is definitely like the instinct to say, this is this is it. Like, this is the story that I love. This is the story I believe in. This is the story we're going with and just hope that there are readers out there, buyers out there who love the read, who don't think it's dense, who think it's engaging, who think it's entertaining and who aren't just in it for the surprise, crazy ass high concept hook, you know, Um, but their points are super valid. Like you need a short story that's going to make the executive at Universal whom you're sending it to rush to their boss and say, you have to read this short story. This is what it's about. And I can see it's so castable. And 
my short story feels like one where someone really has to fall in love with it. It's not obvious, I guess, which is okay. Like it, it's a, I, it's that's also an okay version of a short story that's not obvious and takes someone who's gonna love it. It's just a harder uphill battle. And my agents are there, kind of like your parents in a way, to make sure that your life is not difficult and it's not an uphill battle, <laughs> right? So that's what, kind whose of where lives? Their, your life their notes, or their yeah, lives? Um, well, my life, because <laughs> they'll they'll try and sell it if 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 I ask them to. Um, but you know, for for it to be received well and widely, more widely, and potentially have more success. These are the notes that they were giving. So that's 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 where we are with the short story. I'm at a place where I have to decide, am I going to rewrite it? Am I going to give it to other people that I know? Because another path is to give it to um, producers that I know who are fans of mine, who I trust to be able to read this with an open mind and to see if their feedback is the same or if they love it. And if their feedback yeah. is the same, then... I've had some really like some confidants read the script or read this short story and I know I need to, to make some changes. So that might be actually what I'm going to do next rather than dive into a rewrite just to see. Yeah, I get it. I have thoughts. I mean, we talked about it before, I think even in group where you were trying to hit the superhero aspect on the head a mm -hmm. little harder and a little faster and just trying to kind of build that mystery off in the beginning. But it sounds like they just need, this is not what I'm saying what it should be but it's almost like i'm a young boy i snuck into a superhero's house and i had no idea and then it like kicks off and you're like whoa who why is this you know what and then you meet your uh superhero and can the superhero be younger so it's castable well listen i feel like yeah it's also a bit of an assault on certain actresses but yes on women in general yeah i i yeah i mean <laughs> george clooney doesn't have a problem getting into a movie does he no brad pitt's fucking old guess what he's actually old <laughs> yeah but also the old guys like pitt and clooney those are these are anomalies there's like four of them like in the world Harrison ford okay five of them <laughs> but well, i'm just trying to i'm just trying to be nice Antonio Bandera. I can keep going. They're okay. all old and they're, they're still so, yes. They're I still so damn it's handsome is what we're they're getting They're so at. damn handsome. There's, it's, it is perpetuating this this weird sort of sexist thing. So, um, you know, I'm going to fight the good fight, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I do think there is a way to deliver the hook early on and still have what you have in your short story. And if you just let me give you my Joshified notes on your short story, we can try to make this into the pop version of whatever you're trying. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Voice over about going into superhero. No, it's not that. But I, I do think that there's a, a a way to just really get it hammer up it front. Home yeah, hammer home and then still kind of have the rest of your your short story play out. But that's really frustrating. Yeah, I don't know. The part of the point of the short story is always you don't know who this person is and you're piecing together that they are a supervillain. So it coming early is is a confusing note to me. Maybe there needs to be more of a visceral visual cue to what this mystery is. I'm not saying this is what it is, but let's say there's like an animal trapped in like a cage in the back mm -hmm. of the house that's like burning for no mm. apparent reason or something like just crazy where you're like what the fuck like there's some kind of mm -hmm. element that's taking place that More you see world stuff basically 
but yeah, yeah, that make that no make sense. I get that. All right, you've been saying that for a while, and I I thought I addressed the note, but you're right that there are bigger things that I could do. Okay. Okay. I have a this week in writing that's going yeah. to perfectly kind of dovetail into this, and it's partial spec check, but it's also that this week in writing. Okay. I have talked about the pilot that I've been working on. I was wanting it to be a very specific tone. The, this couple that I had, they get into this private school and I, I didn't want to go like too crazy with some of the concepts in it. Like I wanted it to feel very grounded. Over the last couple days, Tasha, and actually weirdly your story about the short story was somewhat of a cherry on mm. top because I was in my brain, I was like, you know what? What if I just throw the kitchen sink at this concept and just try it? And just try it and see what happens. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people have told me exactly what you have just described. You know, the, yeah, what's the hook, though? But what's the hook? And the, I just keep hearing that. What's the hook? And I guess this is all to say I'm going to try something with my pilot where I'm just going to go a little crazy. Like they're spies and they're blowing up the school and they're like like crazy like that? Not that crazy. There's going to be an issue with their their child. It's probably going to change the show a bit, to be totally honest. But I'm going to try to keep like this whole like social satire, while this backstory of like we ha- I think we have this very serious problem with our child is yeah. is kind of unfolding, and they're trying to conceal it and hide it while they're trying to also navigate their way through the school. You know that could be a very good solve because it could. It could bring the excitement that we were all sort of missing in the show. And I don't know what you're going to do with the child, but let's say it's like a genre show. It, it gives you sort of a good place to do all the things you're talking about with the White Lotus environment of what these private schools in Los Angeles are like without feeling like I have to watch a show about private schools in Los Angeles. Like I get to watch a fun show and that just happens to be a part of the dynamic. So you're still getting it across, but not in like, I don't know, so obvious of a way. Yeah, I was thinking about just kind of like the state of Hollywood. Honestly, when you said your agents had come back, it was almost, you know, as as people do, you think about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow, if Tasha's getting that note on this short story that I freaking love, I love yeah. your short story. And to hear that and to hear that they weren't more, receptive and they were actually kind of being like more hooky just give us so it knocks us over the head even though by the way yours is a short story and they're making it sound like a commercial spec or something like that but anyway i think i'm going to try to do that to mine and just build in some kind of like underlying mystery that the parents are constantly hiding while they're also trying to just get through school and have that be this this thing this secret that is going on throughout the entire um that's cool yeah could it work i think so I'm excited by this. Okay. I'm going to give it a shot. It might be dark. It kind of came to me over the last couple days where I've been in a really weird headspace. So um, that's the best time. (laughs) Like this isn't anything you write. (laughs) I mean, you seem excited. So that's also a good indication. I'm just going to give it a shot. It's one of those things. And we'll see what happens. It'll be great. That's all. Okay. Okay. Sweet. I can't wait to read it. Okay. Um... I had a general this week that Baird's talking about, I guess. Nice. Because in the general, they asked a question that I don't usually get. 
at least not worded this way, which was you've worked in, you know, the fantasy genre and the action adventure genre. What do you want to do next with your life? Like, what do you want to write next? And in my head, I'm like, fantasy and action adventure. Yeah. (laughs) You mean? (laughs) Idiots. (laughs) But it got me thinking about like themes that I want to work on. And so I started talking about like the themes that are in Tomb Raider and the themes that are in Mighty Nine and how I love those themes, but there's still like some some themes that I haven't been able to touch on. And I talked about like mother-daughter stories like we talked about in Brave. I talked about, I think, like the nature of grief and trauma and how people come out of that. As I started talking about those themes, it was interesting because there's a lot of nodding heads. There are like five people in the in this Zoom and they're like, have we got a show for you? Like, little did you know, we were actually going to pitch you an open writing assignment that is exactly about like mothers and daughters and is exactly about trauma and how we deal with trauma. And I was very fascinated by that because A, it shows that like talking, and we've talked about this actually when we talk about um, on the podcast, how to how to do generals. And when you get this question of like, what would what do you like to work on? Mm-hmm. To not say like, I like to work on sci-fi because that doesn't give anyone anywhere to go. But to, to say, I like to work on these themes. Like someone last night even, I asked them, what do you like to work on? And his answer was great. It was like, I love working on coming of age stories. And he didn't even tell me like what genre he likes to write in or anything. It was just, and I was like, I know immediately the kind of stuff that you love. And it can be in fantasy, it can be in sci-fi, it doesn't matter. You're going to write coming of age stories. So it was further proof that answering with theme and like this kind of character um, stories that you like to write was very helpful because they immediately, yeah. they had vi- two very different kinds of stories to pitch me, but both of them dealt with the themes that I was talking about. Um, and it was great because they felt like, oh, you're the perfect person for this now. Um, and I felt very vulnerable in talking about the, the themes that I like because I started getting personal about my own life and the reasons why I like these themes, but it, it paid off because they responded to it. So I thought that was interesting. I love that. Yeah. That's also a great reminder because I just the other day, someone had asked me what kind of stuff I like to write. And I was like, I love action films. This And it, it caught me and, I was, and then I had to kind of retool yeah. back to the, because this was more of a friendly conversation and it just kind uh-huh. of went back into, oh, but I also like dealing with like fathers and sons and the, these kind of dynamics and people, you know, and, and so I went into kind of the stuff that I, that I liked, but I love that answer. And also, yeah. that's great. Yeah. You're being forced into writing a theme that you probably aren't ready to write yet, but you're going to do it. <laughs> you're you're going to tackle some emotions. I love it. Yeah. Cover, cover up. Yeah. I mean, this is therapy. Writing is therapy. So it's great. Writing is therapy. Okay. So I have a friend mm-hmm. who has representation and this friend, he kind of has a little bit of like a dry sense of humor mm-hmm. and he has a very, he's very specific and he was talking to me about when he submits to his reps, there's always like this one person, I'm not 100% sure if it's his agent or his manager, but there's always this one person who kind of doesn't get his humor. And the person comes back, he's like, I don't really find this funny. I don't find this enjoyable. Like this doesn't work, this doesn't work. And it all and and reading something in a different tone or something that is, if something that's funny to you, that's not funny to me, we read it completely differently and comedy is so subjective I think so it got me thinking because he was talking to me about what he should do and I was kind of like listen man if if you primarily write things that are slanted in comedy 
you might need to think about leaving this guy because that's a pretty big that's a pretty big difference of and I'm not sure how he got signed what he got signed off of or anything like that but we were just talking about it and it did make me realize how important getting on the same page with your reps are in terms of how they know you and what you can do and if you're writing comedy or things that are supposed to be perceived as funny how important it is that you're sensibility is understood because I was thinking about this and this happens to me. This has happened to me a bunch where you write something and sometimes I've written things that are supposed to be like the comedy is in like the reaction of the character, which doesn't mm-hmm. really play well when you're writing a script, you know, where it's Tasha reacts like this and it's supposed to kind of be like this funny thing and like they're playing totally. off of each other. And so that was my advice I gave my friend and it did make me realize like that gut check of, kind of being on the same page and he loves his reps by the way mm. but it's just like I don't know what would you say what would be your advice in a situation like this I mean I think that's smart advice I would wonder if it's not necessarily leaving his reps but I wonder if it's like asking them hey do you have someone on your comedy team who can join our team just so I can I can have that perspective because if comedy's not your thing like let's add someone who who comedy is their thing because I want to get into comedy more because certainly like Gersh is a great example. They they have all kinds of different agents who love different things and are good at different things and um, have their finger on the pulse of just like different things. And so to if I just started to write comedy all of a sudden, I feel like I would then ask, hey, do you have someone who's more into comedy yeah. on your team? And let's get let's grab them and put them on the team so they can read stuff and know where it belongs and all of that. And also like if his reps are not, in the comedy world, they may not know what's out there with comedy, like what's selling, who's looking for what in the comedy space, because maybe they don't, they don't, they're mostly talking to drama people or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it may, it just got me thinking about how comedy is so difficult and to, so, it's so difficult to write because sometimes it's very subtle, but yeah. I could write something that's supposed to be subtle. You could read it as something that's over the top and to you it could be yeah. reading as like, you know, a goofy Talladega Nights type movie. And I'm like, no, this is supposed to be a little bit more of a serious thing. It's so hard. Straight comedy is so hard. I remember reading a lot at Universal. We got a lot of comedies and I like hated all of them. And many of them would go through and be loved by story department and all the execs. And I'm just like, this is a great example of why I will never write comedy. Uh, I'm not good at it. But also how difficult it is because you're exactly right. It's so subjective. So like I could, I would read these comedy scripts and be like, well, I don't find any of this funny, but I know someone out there does. So like, do I say like, do I give this my check of approval or do I say pass even because I don't think it's funny? Yeah. Yeah. That's tough. It meets someone like you who's like, no, not passing. Okay. But it takes someone like me to know, like it takes a, a reader who's like, it's not for me, but I can tell that it would be funny for someone else. Right. So like give it to someone yes. else who might understand it and we'll we'll get a better, better opinion. Therein lies the big thing. If I think you need someone to say this isn't for me, but this might be funny. Yeah. <laughs> you might be funny, but I don't find you funny. But not I don't. That's interesting. OK. All right. OK. My last this week in writing is that something has come up on my show it's come up a lot in my shows where 
And it comes up in live action. It comes up in animation. It comes up all over the place. So it's just something to talk about as writers to be aware of that this is this comes down the pipeline once you start show running um, or you know writing at a higher level, which is that um, my show's in production. And when we get like a take back from the animation company, and if you're in live action, it's getting your first sort of edit back. We need to cut minutes, right? Because your studio says your show needs to be this many minutes. Um, it could be for any any number of reasons. It could be because we need to account for commercials or budgetary reasons, whatever. You're usually given a kind of minute range that your show needs to be in. And very often my shows come in way over the minute range. And I have to then in the edit, not in the script, because I've done my best to pare it down in the script already, um, but in the edit, find minutes to take out. And if you've ever tried to edit anything yourself, you know that taking minutes out of something, seconds is easier. Minutes is means you're taking whole cloth scenes and either cutting them out entirely or cutting them in half. And, you know, as writers, a scene is a complete scene for a reason. It goes from A to B <laughs> in a particular way. So cutting it out is terrible because it mm -hmm. messes with the whole thing and then cutting it in half also doesn't make sense. So it, I guess the like this week in writing part of it is that a part of being a writer is being able to come to this place in the process and turn on a different part of your writing brain that's not the same brain you use to write your script or even revise your script, but now it's like problem solving. How do I, with the shots that I have with the with the film that I have, how do I cut out things and still make the show what I need it to be? Hit all the things that I need it to be. And how can I do it in a creative way? That's what you have to think of. Because again, just taking out a scene may not work because then suddenly you don't have a transition anymore. And sometimes it's rewriting a little bit. You have to rewrite a new transition or something. But this has come up and it feels important to talk about as a writing skill that we all have to develop. Yeah, I'm curious to how easily or how difficult this is for you, but I, I feel like I can cut things after a little distance, meaning I have some time. Now I can go back and look at something or read something. However, it sounds like you don't have that luxury of time where you're like, you yeah. know what, I'm going to come back to this spec in two weeks. So are you like in a turnaround of like, yeah, I just, I have to make a decision on this right away? Sort of. And it's, Luckily, it's not just me making these choices because, you know, the director, the the storyboard artists in this case are also helping. If it was live action, the editor would be helping. But yeah, it's you, you have to you have to do it very quickly. You have to you have to not be precious about things. And that's yeah. a big thing that I know when I was coming up, I was very precious about my writing. It very much felt like the script is the script. Like this is genius. <laughs> and and it's not going to work unless you do what's on the page. And it's just not true. There are actually a lot of better ways to do things that you find once other brilliant minds start to work with you and collaborate. Yeah, so it, it is, it's working fast and it's finding like, for me, it's finding like, let's say where the pace feels slow. That's where you know we can start trimming some things. And is there a line that I can just like completely cut out that we can get with a shot? That's part of the process, which, by the way, you can do in your writing as well before you even get to this point. And it's something I try to do when I'm trimming for pages to get it ready for production is what are lines that, 
usually they're comedy lines, unfortunately, that are funny, but just take too much time in the scene. So you got to cut them out. And um, sometimes it's a back and forth between characters that maybe is four lines, but can you make it two? Um, so yeah, it's tough. It sucks. Yeah. <laughs> but it will always come up. So it's interesting right. to pay attention to in your own writing where you can just tighten, 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 because when you get into production, you're going to have to tighten even more. I love it. That's it. That's my, that's my last this week in writing. All right. Well, I have two smaller things and they come from Twitter. So this isn't going to be some heavy topic. This was on Twitter. We sent this back and forth to each other. And recently, uh, some scripts had been posted to Deadline, in particular, uh, Into the Spider-Verse or the, the, the most recent Spider-Man movie. This was from a uh, Twitter user. Hey, can I ask you a question? In uni, I'm assuming in university, we're taught to write that the script is a very formal and honestly bland way. Describe the action as it is happening and very objectively. To which Christopher Miller from Lord Miller responded with, in my opinion, your job as a screenwriter is to not make a bland, dry, just the facts movie blueprint. Your job is to be clear and convey a tone. If a scene is supposed to be funny, action lines can be funny. Manic, tense, romantic, surprising, joyous, scary, whatever should bleed into every word. Then he goes on, scenes need to be clear with what's happening, who's in it, where are we, etc. But that doesn't mean it shouldn't be objective. Each scene should be subjective to a character's point of view, or it's boring. So the descriptions descriptions should be subjective, but clear as well. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to read that because I feel like yeah. this is something we've talked about. I feel like this is something I want everyone to know. This is, I think we live by this, but it's just very important. It's a reminder to fucking just bleed your heart out and yeah. express your personality. It's I hate I hate that they're still teaching this in film school. It's so stupid. Stop doing it if you're doing it. Yeah, there ha- there's a middle ground. There ha- I, listen, when when I started to write, I was very just by the book, and then I think at some point, I read Shane Black, and I was like, oh my god, and that changed me completely. Yes, and then I went a little too far, and I had to pull back, and hopefully I found some kind of middle ground between. I don't know. Who knows? But anyway, okay, that's the first one. You can go too far, sure. And maybe that's what professors are trying to mitigate, especially when you're just starting and you think your voice is the most special voice of all time. <laughs> you love splashing it on the page. But uh, it's it's a stupid, stupid thing to teach people. Um, <laughs> let them be themselves and then re- rein it back. Because also being yourself might be the thing that gets you sold. I've definitely read scripts that I'm like, holy shit, I would never write like this. Like this person is sort of too casual and familiar on the page with their action description that it's weird. It's that doesn't feel like good writing, but it is so personal that it got sold. People found the writing to be like super engaging. So, you know, that's what I say. All right. Last one. I'm not going to read this entire thread, but I'm just going to read a little bit and then just kind of summarize. This is something we also uh, sent back and forth to each other. It was from Kaya Alexander, and it starts with Thread. (laughs) A dirty little secret from development execs about how we read. DNFs, which means did not finish, and the 4010. 
So she goes on to say, you know, you read 25 to 100 scripts a week. This is how we save time on reading. And this is what we do so we don't have to read the whole screen page, uh, screenplay, excuse me. And it basically, we're going to, we'll link this uh, in the bottom of our description, but she more or less is talking about that you have to catch the reader's attention within one page, five pages, or 25. If it's too confusing or it's too boring, they just don't finish. Yeah, it's true. I read like that as well when I when I'm because I'm crunched for time a lot to read scripts, um, like for for writers that I need to hire or something. I will just and then you can tell within the first ten pages if this person is a good writer or not, and if they are, I continue reading. If they're not, then I I'm done. I don't need to read the rest if the first ten pages aren't good. And I remember when I was coming up, I hated this fact because I was like. The, ten, the first 10 pages are the appetizer course. What are you doing? Like, get into the meat. What? Why would you stop at 10? But now I understand that you can tell if someone has a command of craft and storytelling, meaning they can, they can tell an engaging story within the first 10 pages. And then it was interesting because someone posted, well, what about slow burns? If I write a movie with a slow burn, you're never going to get to the, the good stuff. And her response, I think, was accurate, which is that even slow burns are really well written, have show show that the person has command of craft and are super engaging. A true slow burn is still super engaging. Like any James Wan movie is a very slow burn, but it keeps you on the edge of your seat. So it's a really good thing to pay attention to. Make your first 10 pages. I mean, your whole thing should be amazing, but your first 10 pages should really punch you in the face with all of your skills. Yeah, I still fight this a little bit. I mean, here's the thing. I agree. It should be there in the first few pages, but also if you're like a development exec, assuming that someone doesn't have like a handle on the craft, that's one thing. But it's another mm. thing if you're kind of reading something, you're like one page, I'm done. I feel like you need to give it at least like a good five pages. Oh, well, yeah, for sure. Minimum. So anyway, that's it. That's the end of my This Week's in Writing. It's a good one. Definitely check out that thread. It's interesting. Okay, yeah. quote of the day. Mm -hmm. I've made up little mantras for myself, catchphrases from a screenwriting book that doesn't exist. One is, write the movie you'd pay to go see. Another is, never let a character tell me something that the camera can show me. Taylor Sheridan. Please remember to rate and subscribe. Follow us at Act Two Writers for more awesome writing stuff, as well as our Patreon, Act Two Writers. You can follow me, Tasha, at Story Thursday on Instagram or on Twitter at Tasha 3.0. I'm Joshua Hallman on Twitter, Josh Hallman on Instagram. And as always, the Act Two podcast is a production of Act Two, a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. This episode was edited by Paul Lundquist. Mm -hmm.